Hello and welcome, citizens of Dark Rose City. You have arrived at episode 36 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E., and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. If you are new to the show, this is a podcast where two nerdy guys brew themselves a nice hot cup of coffee, and then we sit down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of the new comic books coming to the local comic shop. So the coffee we'll be brewing today is called Blue Honey, roasted by Luna Coffee. I can already tell you ahead of time. It's going to be good. It's, it's going to be good because we're very excited about anything that Luna Coffee... We really like Luna. Yeah. yeah. She, she's, a, she's a real fine gal. Yeah. If you've been following the show, you... Uh, wait, did you just say fine gal? Yeah. That's... I guess so. <laughs> if you've been following the show, you would know that Lemon Tea Daydream is one of our favorite coffees. We always Not compare one everything. Of, it's the it's the it's yeah. the benchmark coffee for us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So we're pretty excited about Blue Honey. So the comics we'll be discussing today are Gideon Falls number eight, Captain America number five, Venom number eight, and God of War number one, based on the well, I guess new, but it's been out for like a, what like a year now. The new uh, has it been a year already? I feel like it has. There's no way. I feel, I feel like, like I feel like close. No, wait, no, out, it was no, still this year. It had, it, I think it came out in like March. Fine, like eight months. Yeah, it's close. God of War <laughs> on PS4. That game. It's based on that. Okay, so if you like this show, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And alongside, we're hitting that subscribe button. Let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. Make sure you tell everyone about the podcast. So. Before we get into the show, let's catch up a little bit. Uh, how's your week been, man? Well, Jerry, listen, this this week is not about me. Uh, in fact, it's about you. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Jerry just turned uh, 16. Uh, <laughs> he refuses to get any older than that. Forever 16. Even though uh, he's most likely twice that age by now. Uh, literally twice that age. It's, it's a little creepy, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally twice that age. But uh, happy birthday to you! Now that you mention it that way, I feel really old. Twice nah. sixteen, gosh. Nah, you're okay. Well, that's like saying a twenty year old is twice the age of ten. They're still young. Yeah, but like ten is like a child. Sixteen, they're like sixteen. You're still a child. I guess so. You're still a child. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, what about you, Jerry? What have you been up to this week? <laughs> Well, yeah, aside from the fact that it was my birthday, um, <laughs> not not a whole lot, I guess. Just playing a lot of Destiny. We've we've both have been yeah, on Destiny a quite Destiny. a bit. Uh, but not a whole lot else. But, well, that's yeah. because Destiny is just one of those games that really it just, it do... sucks you it, in. It, it, it takes a huge chunk of your time. It sucks you in, and then it provides you with hours of entertainment. Now, what's surprising to me is that Destiny is not a game that I ever considered giving a chance to, even when the first one came out. Wow. Dude, give it a chance, man. Well, it's free, so I gave it a chance, and I really like it. <laughs> so, now, how upset would you be if you bought Destiny 2 when it initially came out? I would. I don't think I'd be upset, because with this free one, I think all the Legacy players yeah. get something. They get oh, like okay. a cool emblem or something. Okay, like okay, yeah. okay. See, that makes sense now. Yeah. But when I first, if I were to buy it at release, I don't know if I play it as much now. Because you guys don't have it at the time. Like, you guys wouldn't have bought it at the time. No, yeah. Right? So now we're really playing it a lot because all of us are on. Yeah. So we all claimed it for free on, on Blizzard. Uh-huh. And then we're all playing it now. Yeah. But if it was before, I don't think I would have played much of it. 
No, because we probably wouldn't have bought it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's that's what's been taking our time. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a time sink. I the, think like the, I think last night I was playing up to like three a.m. Wow, really? Yeah. Holy. <laughs> yeah, we we kept going after we finished the strike. Yeah. Then you left, and we just kept going. You guys are unreal, man. And it's just yeah, man, just grinding the gear. Well, I guess hey, man, it's your it's your birthday weekend, so you do whatever you want, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was telling everyone at work. Everyone's like, hey, man, what are you doing for your birthday? I'm like, you know, just playing some Destiny. Yeah, whatever I want. Just run some strikes, <laughs> do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's uh, let's go grab our coffee. Let's finish this up so then uh, we can go play some more Destiny. No, yeah. no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> and we're at the comic segment. And in this segment, what we do is we take a look at some new comics hitting the local comic shop stands, and we uh, talk about them, break them down, dissect them, and uh, we discuss about them. So, uh, discuss bef- about them. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but before we get into that, Victor, why don't you talk us through what coffee we'll be having this week? All right, 16-year-old Jerry. Uh, That's so wrong. That's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. This week, our coffee. Yes, sir. Is- Named Blue Honey, yep. as you had mentioned much earlier in the podcast. Uh, give us some, uh, give us some history, some name, details, <laughs> some history. <laughs> well, it all started in 1955. <laughs> so it's named Blue Honey, yes, from sir. Colombia and a region named Nariño, and it's been roasted by Luna Coffee, perhaps our favorite roaster, out in Vancouver, British Columbia. Nice, nice. Very excited. Actually, about this coffee, I've been we've been having a few sips oh, so yeah. far, it's, and it, uh, I'm very, I'm very happy. It's for very it. tasty. It's very nice. It's very tasty. Now this will be another one of those we can try as as an ice coffee. As an iced coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we'll be, yeah. Maybe we'll try that sometime later on. Maybe the month. we'll try it like right now. What? What? <laughs> as we're <laughs> as, as as we're recording, all here's the, the ice just hitting the glass. Oh, no, don't mind us, listeners. <laughs> so good. This is so good. All right, so before we get started on the comics themselves, though, spoiler warning due to the nature of the show and the fact that we need to, you know, kind of break down to some of the themes and the things that are happening and the plots and stuff like that, we will be giving out spoilers. So do be warned if you haven't read if you haven't read these books, hit up your local comic shop, pick up the books, or if you already have them, just go and you know take them out of the bag and board and just you know open it up, read it, or go on comicsology.com, pick up the books as well, you know. Any way you can support the artists and support the writers, creative team, and all that stuff, and all that good stuff. So, let's go ahead and talk about our first book. Okay. Now that I got all that spoiler stuff out of the way. Okay. First book we're going to talk about is Gideon Falls Number Eight. It's written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Steve Wands. What did you think, Victor? Wow. Did you enjoy the issue? I enjoyed the issue for sure. Um, it's always interesting to to because at this point they they have to dive into more of the history of the characters in order to get more out of the story now and that's mm-hmm. exactly what they're doing with Norton and it's it's on an interesting path right nothing like crazy has happened with the exception of the the ending where they discover uh, Mr. Joel Reddy's shoebox full of 
pictures of Norton, which is weird. Yeah. Which also confirms our lake house theory again, which I think at, at this point it's not really a theory. It's, that's just what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that's just what it is. Um, Imagine if that was the actual like lake house mail- mailbox. Oh my gosh! Like that was <laughs> it was it, that yeah. was the exact reference for it. Yeah. That would be crazy. <laughs> so uh, we we do get uh, indications in this issue that stuff just happens in Gideon Falls. Yeah, like it just happens. No matter like across time, it's just happened in Gideon Falls. This exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I, I'm. I think they're going to get into more of that in the future mm-hmm. um, as to how Gideon Falls was chosen for this particular, I guess, demon. Would you consider that guy to be a demon? Yeah. I guess that's what, we could, sort, yeah. I guess that's what we could refer to him in the meantime. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I, I think we're going to get into more of the history of Gideon Falls and, and why... Gideon Falls in particular was chosen by this demon to be sort of the gateway for him. It's interesting. No, I, I, I there's a lot more questions now for me. Oh, from for this sure. issue, for sure, for sure. Because if they started talking about how, like, these visions start happening for Father Fred, yeah, right, and they start talking about his connection to Norton, mm-hmm. right, but he doesn't know who Norton is. Yeah. He's just given this information of here's Norton. And then yeah. he gets this vision of a bunch of sheriffs, and they're saying how um, they now know who the murderer or the the kidnapper, like the person who's been like taking the kids and stuff like that. Yeah, and and they're saying it's Norton. Yeah, right. So that part has me a little, I guess, intrigued because. In, because what does that mean? Be, because what exactly? Because if Norton. The way that we had interpreted the history or the timeline of Gideon Falls, we're establishing that Norton's time, part of the timeline is in the future. Yeah. And we're establishing that uh, Father Fred's time is in the past. So. And and now they're establishing that there's even, a, like, it goes back even further. Yeah. That perhaps Norton had been this constant that yeah. is now existing in all the different times. Yeah, like, he is the key in, in every timeline. Yeah. But what will be interesting is if Father Fred, because they're, they're talking about Norton getting the access to the key as a kid, uh-huh. right? And how future Norton, see, that's, it's such a, it's such a crazy twist because, because I think they're removing Norton from the existence of the timeline itself and then placing him wherever he needs to be right. to become that part of the portal right. for, for the demon guy. Because... He he was in the straitjacket after he got captured, right? Yeah, and yeah. after uh, the doctor, what's his after name? After they sedated him. Yeah. So they they told and Angie's like, no, you can't come. Blah blah blah. Yeah, you you know you, you, he's our patient now and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So he's in the straitjacket. He's been given the medication and whatnot, and the demon guy still comes to him, and is now, and has presented his past self, his kid self, with a key. Yeah. So. I'm, it's it's almost like they're removing him as a part of history and now have taken him on as an outside role to inter- interject in different parts of history to make things happen for the guy to right. open up the portal. So I wonder if 
that's how he's going to end up meeting Father Fred. Is that he's building the barn and the barn is acting as a gateway to different parts of the timeline. I think that's probably what's going to happen. But I don't know why Joe Reddy plays a part in that. That's the part that's a bit confusing. I think he... There might be perhaps like a, a person in every timeline that has to find Norton. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I feel like maybe there's like a key finder in, in every timeline that has to try and find Norton. Okay. And then in the future, it just so happens to be the demon guy himself. Okay. All right. You know what I mean? All right. Because it just makes sense, right? Um, but I feel like the demon guy has a part to play with him in the past as well. Because he's shown up to to young Norton as a child. Right. Right? There's so many questions. See, so that, many that's questions. what I mean, right? It's, like, but it's so good because it it generates so much conversation. Yeah, about yeah. what what it is they're trying to say about the story. Right? Yeah, and I think now we're we're past the part where it's about because um, before we were talking about at the beginning of the series, anyways, we're talking about Norton's obsession yeah. and how that obsession sort of defined his character and defined, you know define his life's motives yeah because what many people have considered him to be some sort of like a like a lunatic or you know just someone who's just so single mindedly trying to find this thing so that they think he's crazy yeah but he's really out there trying to fulfill a part of life that has actually come to him right but now we're learning more about the fact that this had this could actually be just what his intentions were yeah like what other people's intention for him to be is that he's meant to be the person who's supposed to be an access for a gateway for this demon guy throughout time right because even just like you mentioned before even though he's been building the barn he had no reason he had no idea what the reason was he just started collecting stuff yeah Right, so I, yeah, I think that's a good indication that it's just something that he's meant to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, he doesn't know it himself; he just does it. Yeah, and, exactly. And I think, uh, just like you're sort of hinting at, is, is it's it's what he does across time. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh... because now there's indication that he might be the guy who kidnapped Daniel. Right. Right, Clara's brother. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting because where would he have done that? Other so, than the barn. Other than the barn. So he must have somehow. Ah, see, so much question, so many questions, There's so many questions. I'm trying to figure it out right now. But and the so other question questions. too is because this barn has existed in in the time before Father Fred's, and I believe it. It's torn down in Father Fred's timeline, but it still shows up, I believe. I think so. And for sure, it's gone in Norton's timeline. Yeah. So, I'm just curious at what point did they... Because maybe they realized something about the barn in the past, and then they completely tore it down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's just... Uh, there's so, there's many, so questions. many questions now. But it's really interesting. Yeah. Because... Because I wasn't sure how they were going to tackle the second arc after what happened in the first arc. That craziness that happened at the end of the first arc. But right. 
this has built a lot more intrigue now i think and and um i'm glad that they sort of started it off this arc this way mm-hmm. because it, again with this issue there isn't really a lot going on there really isn't much to talk about however they give us this one little nugget this was well, not even a little nugget. it's like here's one big nugget and now you're just going to be stuck talking about that nugget forever <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm glad that um that that was the way they decided to go with it mm-hmm. yeah it's and it's you remember that one panel where um very early on in the issue uh father fred just like all of a sudden gets this huge barrage of uh or a collage rather of um norton's vision yeah or like his memory yeah the moment that appeared i'm like this this issue is going places that we did not expect this issue to go or this series to go oh yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah um though we we sort of knew that that was gonna be the case at some point it was like in terms of the timelines crossing we sort of knew timelines crossing yeah we 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 sort of knew that that was going to be the case but the way that they're doing it is i didn't very interesting yeah i didn't see that it would come in the form of visions because yeah. it must be somebody feeding the visions. Well, visions and but there's also like there's got to be some sort of a gateway that's like I mean we know that there's a gateway that's open right now, right? Or or else there'd be no way that Father Fred would have been able to to cross into it and save uh save Claire, right? Mm-hmm. Um Now the question is again there's so many questions like how often does that <laughs> gate open because th- then there's no other way that uh, Joe Rady would have gotten those pictures of Norton yeah there's no other way because then really does the barn just appear at will yeah right because then what is there even a purpose to reconstructing the barn is did Joe Rady go into Norton's timeline and take those photos himself mm-hmm. right like there's so many questions I I need them answered Jerry I yeah. need the Mr. Lemire, please, <laughs> please. We we need the answers. We need the answers immediately. And because of the way comics work, we know there are issues ahead of time. Yeah, they're like three, four issues. So if just not more. so just send it to us. Please, like hit us, slide us into our DMs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll be waiting. We'll be waiting. <laughs> please, let us know. <laughs> But uh, I want to talk about the art a little bit. The, yeah, the art on this yeah, is fantastic, yeah, yeah. as always. But there there were quite a few... There's always interesting ways that Andrea Sorrentino kind of tackles his page layouts. Right. And and because it's it's going to get wackier and wackier, you know, with what's happening in the story. Yeah. He has to get a lot more creative with his page layouts. And I think he's it's hit it... Just, you know, hit it out the park every time. Right, right. Yeah. Especially just... I didn't see that panel coming. That because, must have been one hell of a panel to draw. Yeah, you know and, and because mean? like, and it's it just you don't. There's not enough time to really admire what is actually happening in collages like that. Yeah, I've always loved when people tackle a collage like that because you're there's so much planning involved. Yeah, right. You have to plan your entire shading, and then you got to take every single pixel and paint something into it. Yeah, that's to me that's like the craziest thing that could happen. Imagine drawing something like that. And, I wouldn't be able and, to. And then and then and then you look at the page like ah, 
Now it's time to color it. So, <laughs> yeah, just the amount of work and detail that that goes into into the into the artworks of these issues is is really impressive. I mean, all comic imagine, issues in general. But. Yeah, but imagine if they didn't tell Dave Stewart about it, <laughs> and uh, Dave is like, "Hey, man, you uh, you gonna send over the pages for uh, for coloring?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, man, here, yeah, you go. yeah here you go." And he's flipping through it. He's doing it. He's like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you like, how do you am I supposed to like? Fill in every panel with the, with different colors. Yeah, man. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so you, you, Dave. Yeah, that's what we hired you for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it's incredible. I I think the artwork in this series has has been top notch. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. absolutely. I, I I like this this combination of Lemire and Sorrentino. Yeah, for sure. One of my one of my favorite combos of all time. Yeah. Next to uh, Snyder and Capullo. Yeah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think to me that's like the ultimate. To me, okay, it's different for me because that was really when I hopped into comics right. with New Fifty Two Batman. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So for me, Batman has always been that standard, right? Right. Yeah. But having said that, it is still a good team. Of course, Snyder and Capullo. Of course. You know? So I I put them. I hold them at like the highest esteem. <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> considering you've already met Capullo like five times. Already, five so. times. And Snyder like five times. Too. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you have any uh, parting thoughts on Gideon Falls number eight, Victor? Did Joe Reddy go into Norton's timeline? That is the only question which I have. And, and was, how did uh, he learn to operate a camera? And, <laughs> and when he went to the timeline, was Joe ready oh boy for norton on to the next one let's let's just slide right past that one all right what's what's the next <laughs> what's the next issue we're talking about okay here? so the next book we're going to talk about <laughs> is captain america number five That's so bad wow <laughs> wow i thought we already moved on i thought we already moved on i tried captain america number five is written by Tanahasi coates with art by lionel francis Yu on pencil and jerry allen Gwillen on ink Colors by Sunny Go and letters by Joe Caramagna. So, this issue really picked it up. We're finally we're finally moving at, at the pace where we need to yeah. move at for for this storyline. Yeah, uh, they used the, the first three issues, three slash four, to really set something up, and then now, now we're running out the gates. Yeah, right now there's. Now there's a a bit more, a bit less, sorry, uh, social political embedment within the storyline, right? And now there's, there's but that's still present. It's still present right? because there was that moment where, and I thought that was really cool. Was you would, th- you think that like when he was teaming up with uh, the Black Panther, you would just like. What does that have anything to do with anything? Yeah. And then now the people are speaking up about it, right? Yeah. So I thought that was a really cool callback because that was something after what he what he was doing in the series. After that, yeah, I was like, they just brushed that under the under the carpet. Yeah. But that came back. I think that came back in an important way. Well, yeah, because he was already uh, a hero that. America had already set, had already lost its trust. Yeah, in. like he he already fell from grace. And then you go and you 
quote unquote conspire with <laughs> Wakanda. Now, then again, it's another fall from yeah. not as big because not I. I find that perhaps the public's perception of uh, Captain America in terms of that chain, that switch up, perhaps isn't as surprising to them this time around. Yeah. But also every little thing that happens can trigger them into saying something. Yeah. Right? It's, so. it's Again, it's... I mean, we we, we had a, a discussion about this sort of topic a while back, but uh, the idea of quote-unquote character assassination and, and um, people's public perception of you. Mm-hmm. It, it's so easily swayed. Yes. Right? So, it, and, and that's the thing. Captain America tried to do this in like, in, in secret. Right? Like, you would think that if anybody could get away with, with working together from the public eye, it would be Captain America and Black Panther. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, especially with the amount of technology <laughs> that Wakanda has. Yeah, exactly. Yet, he gets, he gets caught somehow. He gets caught on camera and it just completely switches the public perception of him once again because that was supposed to be a secret mission yeah, it was very was secret supposed to be a secret very mission. secret yeah so secret in fact that uh well it was secret on on captain america's end but also as another secret on the u.s government's end mm-hmm. so it's just secrets all around yeah and then again it's the public is jumping on Captain America without knowing the full story. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this it it's happen. It happens to people here all the time, right? Like, what's what's a good example of uh, of somebody being judged without without knowing the full story of of their actions? Oh boy, there's there's lots that could be treading into some dangerous waters. Very dangerous waters. Um. But well, you know what? Let's leave the examples out. Let's let's not name drop too much. <laughs> but let's leave the examples out, and because uh, we could get really we political could we with could get real topic. political with it. But you, yeah. but you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, right? absolutely. Right. And I think recently more so than ever because a lot, you well, know, without dropping specific names, I think social media has been this platform where it has a lot. It has allowed a lot of people to speak more freely, yeah. and it has allowed a lot more truth to come out, which right. is which I think is great. In terms of advancing where we are as a society, because I do think a lot of that truth needs to come out. But at the same time, because people know that they can get on their box and just shout, yeah, and say things, and people will pick it up and just jump on it and stuff like that. It has yeah. become a platform where people could use it as an advantage towards other individuals, right? Without yeah. trying to get too specific into that, you know? Yeah, I don't want to be here. Yeah, like like you said, we don't want to be dropping any names, you know, because we want to keep this, you know, more comics focused. But, uh, <laughs> But, but that, I, I, that is very much the predicament we find ourselves now. Right. So Not to say that because this is a comics discussion, we, we can't have conversations about that stuff. Because a lot of that stuff is interlaced within, within comic storytelling, right? Absolutely. Um, and that is kind of the purpose of where we're trying to go with some of our discussions sometimes. We well, do we, get, we, we, we try, try and do it all the time. Right? Yeah. Uh, and of course, that is, you know, we... We've said this before. This is the kind of stuff we expect with Tanahasi Coates' writing, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
but but now I understand why he wrote it in yes. that particular way now. Mm-hmm. Because now we we get the the sense we get the weight of what Captain America's going through within the first three and four issues. Yeah. And now we also have to carry that weight as readers as we continue along in the story. Mm-hmm. So now we get a better sense of of why Captain America do, does what he does and and uh, takes those, hit those particular actions, right? Uh, it's... Now I get it, right? Yeah. Even though it was slow in the beginning, it just makes sense now, right? Because again, now we carry the full weight as readers and we understand it. Yeah. And now we can take that into consideration while reading future issues moving forward. Yeah. Right? Just like we did with this one. And also, we we now know that no matter what Cap tries to do or his sort of like his inner monologue that's happening as he's carrying all these actions and how he understands what's happening out there but he's trying his best to, to repair it right yeah really though no matter what happens all it takes is one individual out there to say something cynical yeah and it can all come crashing down yeah and that's kind of the barrier he's facing now when it comes to trying to repair his image for America right, right? because now he can't <clears throat> get away with doing whatever he feels is right yeah you know what I mean because he can do what's right but the public won't necessarily view it that way mm-hmm. right and and that's that was the kind of conversation that him and Bucky were having yeah within the issue as well because even Bucky was saying yo this doesn't look good yeah right like you understand like you understand what you just came back from Right, and now you're now you're gonna go in and and do this, <laughs> and, he, and the captain's like, "Well, they, were, they just sent her to die, man. I have to do my best to save her." <laughs> like, not everybody's gonna see it that way. Not yeah, everyone's gonna exactly. understand, especially because, um, uh, the the orders sent out by General Ross were those steps were never either never recorded, or, or someone or went or out of someone, the way to, to erase it. To erase exactly. It, yeah. Right. So, it's interesting. Like that, they could still push the storyline so far forward in such a short amount of time, while keeping uh, the weight of of the the keeping the weight of 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 a social political impact, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I think that's that's smart writing. Yeah, that's real yeah, smart yeah. writing. And and now I, again, now I understand why he's written this story in this particular way. Mm-hmm. And I think now, you know, now that we got the reveal at the end of what is really happening, yeah. so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And spoilers. You, you're going to want to go read and find out what was spoiled at the end or what is at the end yeah, of this issue exactly. before we talk about it. So, three, two, one, you've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> This whole time, the ploy is to bring back an incarnation of the Red Skull. The Red Skull, exactly. Um, I didn't understand it at first. Because when when they showed that guy pop up, I was like, what? Oh, Lucan? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, 
what's Raza Ghul doing here? <laughs> I, I was like, what? I was like, what? is this a DC Marvel crossover? Like, what's going on here? I thought it was. It looked like Raza Ghul. And then when he looked in the mirror and I saw Red Skull, I was like, no way. That's that's where they're going with the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's that they're they're bringing Red Skull, and I think it's so smartly written because Red Skull cannot rise without you know he cannot rise as the red skull yeah but he can rise as a person who is now going to you know as part of a team that is going to provide america with what they need yeah after hydra got eliminated yeah right so he can now come in power as somebody that america can trust yeah over the you know sort of like the declining image of Steve Rogers. Right. Because he's just going to look like any other guy. Yeah. To the American public. Yeah. Even though we know inside is the Red Skull. Yeah. Right. Um, This is really interesting. Right. Because now we can sort of make real life parallels to, to something like this. Right. Um, Like, I don't know. Think of, think of any political leader. Let's use Canada, for example. Mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau and Stephen Harper. Everybody loved Justin Trudeau when <laughs> when uh, most people did. That's how he won. Uh, most people loved Justin Trudeau when he first came onto the scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Young guy, handsome, beautiful hair. Is probably what he's most known for. Uh, <laughs> and and legalizing marijuana in Canada. Oh, yeah. And his last name's Trudeau. And his last name is Trudeau. Yeah, that's that's a big one. And then... And then <laughs> Everybody just villainized Stephen Harper, mm-hmm. villainized him, um, and because of that, his—I mean, to be fair, Stephen Harper's reputation as a prime minister was already very much on the decline <laughs> in in the in the public image. Yeah, right. In the later stages of his, yeah. Run. And then that's how Justin Trudeau came and boom, took took uh, took office from there, right? Same things happening to Trudeau now, though, right? Um, you know, the not to get too much into Canadian politics, but not everyone's happy with with what he's done so far. But but that's the thing. Well, right? except the four twenty crew. Except the four twenty crew. <laughs> uh, They're very happy. But with the with with political leaders, that that always happens. Yes, right. It always happens. You're not gonna satisfy everybody, and it's always those people that. That demographic that can't be satisfied that the that the opposition is always gonna try and and sway to their side, mm-hmm. right? So we're seeing a very similar thing with Red Skull and and Captain America now, right? Because now people are not happy with with Steve Rogers, you know, with what happened in the past and based on what's happening now in the issue. Mm-hmm. This is a ripe time for the Red Skull to come in and 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 take. Uh, the public's favor yes right absolutely so, yeah. this can actually end up being like Marvel's version of House of Cards like it can <laughs> it could yeah it, because there, there's a lot of implications of of just exactly like the, the state of America in comics yeah right because of what happened in Secret Empire yeah and and I think it, it's interesting you, you brought up the real life political struggles because like it's the same idea and I just want to touch upon that real quick yeah. No party ever holds power, ever. Not a hundred percent. Not a, well, they hold power even in majority or whatever. But 
they usually go two terms, three terms with a different like a different person on the yeah. third term or whatever. Yeah. And then the other party comes and swoops it up because ultimately you you cannot. There's just you can't always just operate on goodwill. No. Right? There's got to be some sort of look at you know at the realization of what the situation is, and there's just not enough you can do. And there's the same thing that's happening in comics too in that world, where it's just. No matter the goodwill, no matter what you try to do to satisfy certain parts of the country or certain parts of of the vision of yeah. the American dream or whatnot, yeah, there are always going to be those who are left behind thinking, well, what about us, right? What about what about you know this side of your dream that you just can't satisfy, that you just can't bring along with you, right? Because we had seen that from an earlier issue too when they're talking about how this whole huge push about individualism in in America has left a lot of people behind. Yeah. Right? So, and that's what the power elite is here to do is that they're bringing everybody up together at the same pace. Right. But at the same, and that's the whole thing, right? You, let's look at, and you know, we'll try not to spend too much time on this because I, I feel like we've already spent a lot of time on this issue. <laughs> um, but you, you can take a look at like the different... Um, um, like socio-political, like socio-economic systems that we have. Like for example, here in in in, in Canada, we have something called welfare capitalism, right? Which is you look at a larger picture, larger political picture. We have a democracy here in Canada, right? The thing with democracy is, is it's fair, quote unquote fair, but not everyone's gonna win, mm-hmm. right? Uh. Whereas, you know, the, the the elite are trying to come in with a more a more socialized system. Uh where everybody, yeah, like you said, you're gonna try to bring everybody up to speed. Um but it does come at a cost, right? And it's gonna come at a very what do you call that? Is it like is it autocratic? I think so because the idea is that is that the Red Skull is going to come in as the one leader yes right uh, so it's going to be like North Korea uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, like so it comes it comes at a cost yeah right so yeah and I guess so now it's going to be uh, a, on a larger scale a battle of of um uh, of new world ideas, more globalized ideas versus the good old American dream. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I think so. Right. So, I mean, there, again, there's a lot of sociopolitical embedment within, within this story. And I'm so glad that they're still able to push the story forward so much at the same time. Yes. And I think the reveal of the red skull at the end, did a lot of that yeah. because it finally it finally peeled the last layer as to why all of this is happening to Cap. Right. Even post Secret Secret Empire. Yeah. Because right? even with the reveal of um Celine, mm-hmm. right? They never truly made her seem like the 
the the the big old bad guy yes or bad girl yeah you know what i mean like, like she, she was, was she was also, doing shicey stuff exactly, but it was yeah. just like they didn't write it in a way where she was like the ultimate enemy yeah right so you kind of already got the sense that she wasn't the final boss uh, especially because with when you say super elite you you're obviously the power elite yeah power elite sorry with the power elite, you you get the sense that it's a group of people you're fighting anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with that that red skull reveal at the end, I think does a lot for the story, and it finally puts a face to the enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> good one. <laughs> well, because we did mention this an issue or two ago, where we we're saying how they brought the power elite on as this group that is going to try to change America. Right. But they're not spending much time talking about them. Yeah. Like, they're just sort of in the background operating. But now we see why. Yeah. Because they're onto a bigger picture into bringing somebody back as the face of who is going to actually bring America forward. Yeah. Post-Secret Empire. Yeah. And I think it this issue answered a lot of what I was starting to be worried about for Captain America for the yeah. series yeah. and I think this issue really brought it all up all back yeah you know brought it all back on on track and back to speed mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed this issue yeah uh, and you know just some final thoughts on it again I'm I'm just really glad that they were able to bring it up to speed finally and um, now that we have a face of the enemy we can actually look forward to every issue now yes. you know what I mean because previously it was just it was sort of stuck on this weird lull where he's just punching through things. Yeah, it, it, it almost felt like the issues felt very self-fulfilling. Like there wasn't, yeah. like it wasn't. That's a good way to put it. Like yeah. it wasn't, uh, like it would, like those issues were there to do their own thing, to serve its own purpose, but not necessarily make it known to the readers. Mm-hmm. And then now that it's known to the readers, we can we can actually look forward to it and, and now speculate on future issues. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Good way to, good way to end that. Uh, stop uh, it. <laughs> stop it. But I just want to say, it's he your also, birthday. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to say one final thing. Uh, he yeah. also choked out the taskmaster. Which Moving great, on. Which is great. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Cause that, <laughs> this guy waits straight Conor McGregor on him. <laughs> <laughs> but that, <laughs> It's it's cool that we, we don't even mention Taskmaster the entire time as we're talking about this because really he's just a part of the picture. He's right? just like so uh, just he's just like the uh, he's like the minion to the high value target. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that happened in the book. Yeah, and uh, let's move on. <laughs> so the third book we're going to talk about today is Venom issue number eight. Oh boy, what a great issue! Very yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great issue. Let me introduce it first. Oh, it is written by Tony <laughs> Cates, uh, with art by Ivan Coelho. I think I'm saying it right. Ivan Coelho. Yeah. Colors by Andres Mosa and letters by Clayton Cowles. So this is, I guess, like a it's part of a two-parter in a sense. I would say it's like a two-parter arc, pretty much, because it yeah. it answered a lot of what you know this little arc was trying to do right and it just sort of you know close everything off which is nice and then yeah. it started this whole new thing 
which we're gonna give spoiler warning for again. What? Don't worry. Before we talk about that, we're gonna you know, let you know you know all those questions I was asking about right in the first couple of issues. Yeah. Now they're answered. Now they're answered. Now, oh man. All right, but okay. Let's first talk about. Um, let's first talk about what happened. I guess at the beginning of the issue. So we find out that Flash Thompson, there's like a piece of him still embedded in the symbiote. Right, and we find out that that's kind of how symbiotes operate. Is that they, a little bit of it will always live on with the host? Yeah, right. So we get we get this really cool transformation of of him receiving, I guess, the Flash Thompson Codex. Yeah, to his symbiote, and that the symbiote is willingly going out to like to try to get it to to bring it back. Right? Yeah, but for me, it raises a really good question, and I, and it was something that I didn't consider. <laughs> at the beginning of this small arc was that what does that make what what does what uh Eddie Brock does throughout this entire story what does it truly matter to Eddie Brock because he's really from what we've seen in the first story from what we've seen in this story now he's really just a vehicle yeah for the symbiote yeah and he's coming to terms with that. He's understanding that, you know, from the fact that the the symbiote has kind of gone silent, but all of a sudden has reactivated because of the reveal that Flash Thompson still alive. Yeah, I guess part of it is still there yeah. in that um, that codex from the Maker. Yeah, that re- really, what is Eddie Brock there for? Right, if not just to carry the symbiote from A to B right um that's an interesting question and I feel like the the Venom symbiote does truly care for Eddie Brock like we see it like obviously he I mean he the symbiote really goes out of its way to try and protect Eddie you know even went as far to say as you know I love you right so I don't think Eddie is simply just a vehicle I believe that there is truly a, a relationship, obviously, between Symbiote and Eddie. However, it does... What's what's the best way to, to put this? Like, Eddie's actions do matter. Like, I feel okay. like... Um, I feel like that the Symbiote is willing to do what Eddie needs it to do and vice versa. Um, what was sad to see, however, was that perhaps Eddie Brock truly is second fiddle mm-hmm. to Flash Thompson. Yeah. And I sort of understand why <laughs> after this issue. Cause it cause it seems like it seems like no sort of to go off on a tangent here. Like it does seem like Flash Thompson was truly the better host mm-hmm. <clears throat> like it seemed like he him and and the venom symbiote have had a different kind of respect and relationship <clears throat> with each other that eddie and venom probably didn't have of until recently mm-hmm. you know what i mean and um it was it was sad to see eddie realize that yeah you know what I mean like it was yeah. real sad to see Eddie realize not that he doesn't matter and I think that's the point you're trying to get at right 
is that Eddie does matter as the host, especially because he was the first host ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he matters. But man, Flash is a badass Venom. <laughs> Eddie couldn't have put it a better way. Yeah. And it's, I think what's really interesting is seeing that the, the, the way that different Venoms sort of materialize from the combination of the host and the symbiote. With Eddie, I feel like a lot of it is, you can see a lot of it is showing based on Eddie's emotion. Yeah. So the Venom is a lot more um, animated, is a lot uh, more chaotic, yeah. you know, in its form and stuff like that. Yeah. And you can see with Flash Thompson, his Flash is very much in control of the situation and he's not letting his emotions ride high on it. Yeah. So he, he's very much understanding how to weaponize and how to use it to his advantage and, he, and he, take control. He, yeah, he uses right? Venom very much as if it was an extension of himself. Exactly. Yeah. As opposed to Eddie and and I suppose Eddie who he isn't always in control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it seems like uh the symbiote takes the driver's seat from Eddie from time to time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you see it fairly <laughs> often in yeah. the series because just like when Rex kind of took over, um, when Rex like jumped in and took control as well. Just like when, um, just like when the other, you know, when the symbiote took control and basically said, "I've received these powers. I have wings now." Yeah. And Eddie's like, "What?" Yeah. But Eddie had no idea. Yeah. Right. Be- and with this now, uh, at things like maybe like midway through this issue where yeah. Venom. Uh, where the symbiote jumped out, you know, of his cover as a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the symbiote was basically the shirt. <laughs> yeah. And the Venom jumped out and took the maker yeah. and attempted to, like, wrestle him out. Smash him in the and face. And just smash him in the face <laughs> and, like, wrestled him out, right? That was very much a reaction from the symbiote and not a reaction from... I mean, it was the emotional state of Eddie that triggered, I guess that triggered the emotions and the movement of the symbiote. Yeah. But ultimately it was the symbiote reacting and taking out the maker and try to throw him into that little thing. Yeah. Uh, into the drawer. And you see that. And then you see how very immediately the codex, even just the codex of Flash Thompson was able to take that entire situation under control. Yeah. And get them out of there. Yeah. And it's just, and you see it. Eddie is very much like it's almost like Eddie is along for the ride. Yeah. You know, in the story. And I think what we're going to get at at the end, you know, perhaps like, you know, at the tail end of the run is we're going to start to see Eddie as a character who can take better control of the situation to become a better host. Because it always it, it seems like Eddie has always been along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least within this this Venom run, mm-hmm. Eddie has always sort of been in in the passenger seat right from the get go. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's trying to take all the all these meds because Venom is always in his head, and and that's his idea of trying to take control. take control exactly. Yeah. So, I think you're right in the sense that we are going to see a better host from Eddie. Uh, within the later half of this run, um, and perhaps even uh, being better controlled than than Flash Thompson was, mm-hmm. 
because he wasn't he was in control. Like he yeah, he very much had the driver's seat for that time being as short as it was. Yeah, it was uh, it was real sad to see though. Yeah, real sad to see. Sad because Eddie finally realized that maybe he's second fiddle, but also Flash was a good guy. Yeah, you know, and and it's sad to see that um, he. Not to say he won't. It's comics. He'll, he'll probably come back at some point. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But sad to see that uh, he won't be Agent Venom for the meantime. Yeah, right. You know what it really reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, Dragon Ball Z when uh, when uh, Vegeta finally reconciles with the fact that Goku is better than him. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. this reminds me of. I don't sure even remember that scene. But it was right when he was fighting uh, Kid Boo, and the Vegeta goes, "I don't know how you do it, Kakarot." He's like, "I really don't know how you do it," and he's like, "It's finally clear to me now. <laughs> now more than ever, you're better than me, Kakarot. You are the best." That's that's my Vegeta voice, but <laughs> you know, it's accurate. It's- <laughs> <laughs> that's what this reminds me of. And it's a, it's both a, a a badass and a heartbreaking moment at the same time, right? Because you can imagine, like imagine, you're the firstborn child in a family, but then everybody pays attention to your younger sibling, sort of like that. Yeah. Right. Okay. But with with more context to it, obviously. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually a good uh, good little reference. To Dragon Ball Z because that that is very much he has always thought like Vegeta has always thought of himself as the pride yeah right of the Saiyan race so yeah. you know it, it was it, it was very bittersweet to see him come to that realization yeah and just it, as Eddie sees exactly. himself to be the best host because he's the first exactly right and he's he's very much admitted you know in this issue as well saying like you know, I've always thought of myself as the best. Yeah. Because I was the first. Yeah. But really, I, I, I don't have control of the situation. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very bittersweet to see. But mm-hmm. I, I think it, it, it was a good small arc to establish the current mindset of where Eddie is. Yeah. Right. And with the symbiote being silent, he can actually reach back and and see and understand all this. Yeah. Right. And especially with when Flash Thompson took over for that split moment. <laughs> He, he can finally see yeah what is supposed to you know what he's supposed to do yeah and how he can make himself better mm-hmm. and I think that that's really that's really it's a it's a good setup for future arcs yeah exactly yeah so speaking of setups for future arcs spoilers three two one Cletus Cassidy carnage is back well, he's not backpack, but but he's around. Yeah. So I I in the first three issues when they were fighting Null, I had asked, "Where is Carnage?" It doesn't make sense that they're having a, a symbiote storyline without Carnage. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make any sense. But now we know that they're trying to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Right? He's stuck in some sort of. I don't know what that machine is. Some sort of stasis. Some sort of stasis. Yeah. And, and they're using it, uh, the that bit of uh, Null Symbiote uh, to try and, I guess, bring Cletus Cassidy back. 
How they're going to do it, I don't know. I actually don't even know how Cletus got there in the first place, to be honest. Okay. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think I know either. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll... Because I don't remember where he was the last... Like, because to be fair, like we haven't been reading Marvel comics for a long time. Yeah. So, we'll we'll have to go back and and figure out what happened to Cletus because he looks like he's in he's in bad shape. <laughs> he's in <laughs> bad, shape. bad shape, and uh, I don't know how that would happen, especially because he has the Carnage symbiote. Mm-hmm. But he's coming back. This new, uh, this coming up new comic book day, which if you're listening to this on a Tuesday, it'll be tomorrow. I think there is a one shot coming um, called Carnage, Web of Venom, something like that. Uh, it's written by Donny Cates and I think it expands on what's happening with Carnage. Okay, great. So we're going to pick that up and talk about it because we need to figure out how, how Cletus Casty got in there and what kind of a Carnage is he going to be coming out now? Mm-hmm. Right, because he's not going to be the same Carnage, especially because they're using um, uh, a sample of Null symbiote mm-hmm. to to in, I'm assuming to infuse within uh, Cletus to bring back the Carnage symbiote. I think so. So this is going to be a different Carnage coming out, um, and I have a feeling it's going to be a much more ruthless Carnage. Yeah, like, okay. Like, you would think I mean, that Carnage couldn't get a, any more yeah, ruthless. He's already pretty. Uh... But he's somehow going to be way more ruthless, way more powerful. And Eddie's going to have to not only bring back uh, the presence of his symbiote, uh, but also learn how to control it in a way that Flash Thompson did in order to fight Carnage. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way I see this going down. Um, especially because Carnage, as we know, out of the gates, is a much stronger symbiote than Venom is, mm-hmm. right? Because that each generation gets stronger, right? If if that's if that's the um, that the lore that they're sticking with, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just as Carnage's child toxin is much stronger than than Carnage and Venom combined, mm-hmm. right? So, well. We'll see how this goes down, but I have a feeling that uh, this is going to be a pretty crazy battle that's going to go down. It's 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 a classic storyline, mm-hmm. Carnage versus Venom, classic storyline. But now they're going to infuse like sort of the modern mythology they're trying to inject into the story, correct? And and put it in a new perspective, yeah, which would be nice. So is is Venom also going to be Im- embedded with uh, the Null Symbiote as well? Like that's the other thing too. Mm-hmm right because yeah. then then we're looking at a soup like a souped up venom versus a souped up carnage like that's going to be that's going to be carnage versus venom issues all over again that's an old series too actually now I think about it yeah venom versus carnage i think was 2004 when that run came out i have no idea let me uh let me double check because that was a very very popular run for the time um so popular in fact I had to I paid premium dollars to pick up the set (laughs) (laughs) yep September to December of 2004 yep wow so this run that Venom vs. Carnage run is uh, almost 15 years old way to pinpoint the exact year dude oh yeah oh yeah trust me man when uh, when it comes to 
when it comes to runs that I really like, I know almost every every detail of those runs. But uh, oh, Peter Milligan, that's, uh, yeah, I forgot so about yeah, that. that. That's something I'm lacking when it comes to the uh, the Venom <laughs> the Venomverse. I, I'm a very big symbiote fan, as I've <laughs> yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. before. Yeah, so absolutely. like this sort of stuff, like I think we can all hear the excitement, Victor, that you are showing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for Venom. <laughs> I have the uh, I have the it makes me excited because I don't know much about Carnage or know much yeah. about like the whole Cletus Cassidy situation yeah so it, it makes me excited too because like I'm looking forward to it as well yeah I have um, the Amazing Spider-Man issue 252 from 1984 which is the first appearance of the black suit well we out here flexing aka the first appearance of the Venom symbiote right I think Historically, there was an issue before this where the box, the black suit appeared in, which was when the first Secret War happened. That's which is how they brought the Venom symbiote to Earth, right? But I digress. Uh, I do not have that issue. I think the the point I'm trying to make here is I'm a very big symbiote <laughs> fan, <laughs> and that I I do know many details of <laughs> yeah. of symbiote stuff. <laughs> Well, I'll leave that expertise to you because uh, I'm just, hey, you know what? I'm along for the ride. I'm along for the ride in this situation. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, yeah. moving forward. But the, that finally, Carnage. Yeah. This I is, was actually very excited. This I was is excited. What I'm for. I was excited for you, Victor. <laughs> I was excited for you when the reveal happened. I was like, oh. Can't wait to talk to Victor, but he's gonna flip. <laughs> when they when they showed Cletus Cassidy in that in that stasis pod, I was like, "What's what's Wade Wilson doing here?" <laughs> he looks very much like a like a like a. How did I? You know, I shouldn't say it because the way that uh, they describe uh, how Deadpool looks in the first Deadpool was hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But uh, but not PG friendly, so. I'll, I'll leave that out <laughs> Very for the viewers PG to find out on their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when I saw that last page, I was like, C. Dot Cassidy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, picture's going to flip. <laughs> oh, I flipped. I flipped, yeah. I'm a, I love Carnage. All right, well, that's coming up. Actually, that's coming up, and that's most likely we're going to talk about that in the next episode, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about that one yeah. show for sure. So. For sure, easily. Yeah. Um, Okay, so why don't we go ahead and let's talk about the last book we're going to cover today. It's uh, God of War number one. It's written by Chris Roberson, art by Tony Parker, colors by Dan Jackson, and letters by Josh Rochelle. I... Okay, I'll start off by saying that I think it's... I think the timeline of where they're putting this story is interesting. Um, because... And this is one of those situations where we talked about uh, over the last, um, you know, a few episodes before where we're talking about the Stranger Things issues. Because we know what happens in the series on Netflix and the way that they the way that they position the comic series is in parallel to the Netflix adaptation. So well, it's right. like the Netflix series. And in this comic adaptation, yeah. they're putting it in parallel to what's happening with Will, but at the same time. Yeah. So we kind of we kind of lose a little bit of that um I guess uh 
anticipation of where this is going to end up because you ultimately know where it's going to end up. Yeah. With this is a little different because we the God of War video game yeah. starts at a place where there were many mysteries of what happened before. Exactly. And the those mysteries leading up to that starting point in the game mm-hmm. is interesting to me. Yeah. Because I want to know how that first that um I want to know how the Kratos and Atreus relationship developed beforehand. Yeah. When Faye was still alive, right? Yeah. When uh, Kratos' wife was still alive. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how that relationship sort of hit, you know, hit its strides and then hit a wall. Yeah. When ultimately that happened, you know, mm-hmm. when Faye died, right? Which isn't really a spoiler because that's right at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. So if you even just turn on the game, you would know that happened. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that that part is really interesting to me. And I think the way they positioned of where this prequel is going to happen or where the story is going to happen, it's it's going to answer questions that I want answered. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like you said, there's, there's so much time within Kratos's personal timeline that has passed between God of War 3 and God of War 4 which mm-hmm. or just or just God of War. Yeah. Right? Um so we can assume I mean let's just say for example he somehow got to the the Nordic lands from Greece like within the same year that he after he stabbed himself after killing uh Zeus on mm-hmm. Mount Olympus. Right? Actually, did he kill Zeus and Mount Olympus in God of War 3? I can't remember. I think he did. I, I can't remember if it was on Mount I don't think it was on Mount Olympus. Because then he... Yeah, he kills Zeus and then he stabs himself with the with the sword. And then he just falls and disappears, right? So let's just say he did it in the same year, right? And then in God of War 4, like how old is Atreus, would you say? Like 10, 12? Something like that, 10. So that's 10 years. Let's just say like he got to agree, uh, the Nordic lands right away. That's 10 years of history that's missing mm-hmm. between God of War 3 and, and God of War, right? So that the the lore surrounding Kratos, many people are interested in, including myself and I'm assuming yourself as well, mm-hmm. right? So uh, what's good about this issue is that it, I mean, whether it's canon or not, I don't know, but... Uh, did, is it is it in association with Sony Pictures? I believe so. So it's probably yeah. canon. Yeah. Right. Um, so it, so people do care about stories like this, mm-hmm. right? Even though we ultimately know where it'll end up going, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think this is uh, a series that you want to follow if you're a big God of War fan. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like they they were pretty true to character within this issue, right? With the with the way they de- they depicted it, Atreus. I think the way they depicted Kratos, <laughs> I think it comes off as too much of of a of a d bag, but um, just a bit, just a bit, just a I bit. Mean, just... <laughs> I mean, I mean, even even Kratos wouldn't be that mean to his kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I, it's not 
also too far out of the realm yeah. of possibility for Kratos. I mean, Kratos we we discussed it way. a bit before the show too, right? And yeah. it's 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 in line with what Kratos would say, but yeah. I think it's just a slight like it's, a it's hair a, it's out. Too, it's a hair too strong. A hair too strong. Like if he just takes one comment back, I think it would be perfectly in line. Yeah. And but I feel like there's there's going to be like that they have to sort of establish Kratos' voice right away. Yeah. Um, for those that maybe not played vi- the video game, they have to kind of establish right. where that voice is supposed to be. So, and also like we were talking about, when you play the game and you play through the game, you understand and you see Kratos' development throughout the game. Yeah. So, unless you boot the game back up right now and see the beginning Kratos and Atreus' relationship, mm-hmm. I think our sort of view of that relationship is a little different yeah. from beginning of the game to end game. So what's freshest in our mind right now is end game. Is end game. Yeah. Right. So But it's not that I mean, even in in the beginning, his relationship with Atreus wasn't all that bad. But I'm a, but that was or all also, that strict. All rather. that strict, yeah. yeah. But at the same time that was also post uh uh post fade death. So perhaps the relationship between him and Atreus had changed immediately after Faye's death, which is what we see at the beginning of the game. Yes. So again, the relationship between Kratos and Atreus before Faye's death, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. That's true. You yeah. know what I mean? So I mean, this this for all intents and purposes is accurate mm-hmm. because there's we don't know because we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, still, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little like it's a, it's a little, little much. much. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just look back a little bit and what was said. <laughs> oh, oh boy! By Father Kratos. Father Kratos. Boy, where is your mother? Uh, she left while you. She <laughs> 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 left while you were still asleep. Told me she left when they fall. And, and, and look she at told look at you nothing else. And look at the way he's he's, and he's just he's, hulking he's just, over him. He's just hulking, and he's pointing a finger at him. Where's your mother? <laughs> and the, and it's just like <laughs> I thought as much. Time to pull your weight. Well past time for him. Oh come on, Kratos. And it's like, come he's on, a child. Dude, child. He's playing. Get to it. I expect you to make good use of your day while I'm away. Do not disappoint me. Now here's the thing. And, he grew up a Spartan. Yeah. So when he was Atreus's age, he'd had already. He was already battle ready. I guess so. You know what I mean? I like he so. was trained from a very young age to be a warrior. Yeah. Which is why. I assume he's he's that this particular way with Atreus, just because his upbringing is so different in comparison, right? Um. But I feel like Kratos would know that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's not raising his kid to be a Spartan. Yeah, when he himself is trying to suppress the rage. Exactly. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So I, again, it comes off a bit strong, but especially it, the last thing he says before he walks off. Yeah. Um, because uh, Andreas is like, "Oh, are you going out to test yourself again?" And he's like, "Yes." Though it seems that today's test has already begun. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow." I was like, "Wow, what did this kid do? <laughs> he did nothing to he you. Did nothing to you." And, and you know to be fair he did nothing yeah <laughs> just in general yeah but yeah it's i was like man i come that came out really harsh but i i guess i guess you're right like all this will be accurate if we see the change of when fate dies yeah and perhaps something else triggers and 
throughout the game and at some point of the game the Atreus's resentment towards Kratos mm-hmm. not that he resents him but like he's 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 holding a grudge against Kratos for obviously the way he treats him right and it all comes out in the game at some point yeah when you see stuff like this it makes sense Mm-hmm. Right, not so much when um, during the game because Kratos is actually he's actually pretty nice to Atreus, and he, he gets he becomes nicer as the game goes on. Yeah, but when you see interactions like this, and when that resentment comes out in the game, that's that that totally makes sense. Yeah, when you think about it. Yeah, <laughs> like you're d- <laughs> don't disappoint me. I'm just playing with my toys, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> just trying to be a child, yeah. like I am. Like that. See, it makes sense now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, before we dwell too much on the game, um, so in this story, they've established that uh, really what he's trying to do in this moment in his life is just keeping his rage under control. And he's yeah. learning to keep it under control in the face of enemies yeah. and saying, you know, I'm in control of what I need to do. I, I can walk away from situations. So he's saying like the old man triggered his sympathy so he's he's like no, it's the old man's fault. No, it's that it's that stupid bear's fault. Yeah, it's it's not my fault. And, and that's after he loses his anger. And that's the but that <laughs> is the root of his problem. Yeah, right. Is that is that he's trying so hard to say that he's in control of his rage, yet when his rage gets triggered, he blames it on something else or somebody else right Mm -hmm. it's like well you can't you can't take ownership of the victories but not take ownership of the failures at the same time Mm -hmm. you know and I feel like that's really that's always been Kratos' problem though yeah right like from God of War 1 to God of War 3 he's always blamed the gods for everything right Um, when in reality really he does this to himself yeah right And, and um I mean, obviously, he comes to that realization later on in the game, but at this point in the story, he hasn't. So we're still seeing a Kratos that that even though he gets triggered, he does he never blames himself, mm-hmm. and and because of that, he will always sort of be this Hulk of anger. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah for sure. Because he just he hasn't come to terms with it. For yeah, sure. and so and. Be, Unless he's, unless he takes responsibility, he will never be pacified, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's sort of the, uh, that's gonna be a major theme within this, uh, within this four issue run, right? Yeah. So, we see that in the story after he takes care of the the bear, and he kind of leaves the old man, um, he goes back to his home and then. They come through as well, and then he finally realizes what they were. Yeah. Right? So he realizes that they were all werebears, that, <laughs> and that really there was just a problem happening within the family yeah. that they had to take care of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he intruded on family business. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that stuff is in a uh, in a language that we can't decipher, but... yeah. I mean, from context, you can you can see what was happening. Yeah. So they all turn into werebears, and then he's like, well, okay... <laughs> let's let's deal with this. <laughs> um, I don't know if they're going to spend too long on the werebear situation in the next issue. 
No, because it's very clear that Kratos can just destroy them all, but... Yeah. It's very clear. (laughs) But perhaps, like... I don't know. Like, moving forward, I'm not sure where else they're going to tackle with the story, but... I'm not sure if this werebear thing is going to Well, it could... Ans- it could try and answer what happens to Faye. Okay. Because we don't know what happens to her. She yeah. just sort of is dead so perhaps, in the beginning of the game. <laughs> perhaps the werebears took her out. Mm, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I, don't, I, I wouldn't. Because well, Faye's returning, right? Yeah. Like, Faye's not back yet. So yeah. Maybe she got caught in the crossfire. It's a good chance. Yeah. I mean, I don't think. I don't think she. Would. I don't think she would go down to something that simple because Kratos truly loves her for how strong she was, mm-hmm. right? Um, so maybe this is an indication of how strong she is. Perhaps maybe she'll come back and take these take these werebears out. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but I think that would be an interesting question to answer within mm-hmm. within this forest run is what happens to Faye? Yeah, right. Because like that's. That that would make that would answer a lot of questions, uh, because in the, in the beginning of the game she's just sort of dead, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's it. And then we have to and that was ashes, like right? the start of the journey, right? Of yeah, you know that was the start. Of the story. I mean, there's just so many places that you can go with God of War, and I feel like this is why, like that's one of the reasons why God of War as a franchise is is so popular, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's so ripe for storytelling. Let's say after these four issues, they can go even further back. What? How did Kratos survive like stabbing himself, right, with that sword? And how did he come into the Nordic world? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and how did he? How did the gods not notice him up until this point? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. did he go all these years um, without being bothered? Uh, and then, and then, all of a sudden, when oh, maybe it was Faye, maybe it was Faye that was keeping him safe. Maybe because all the stuff happens right after Faye dies, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then uh, Balder just shows up. I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, it would uh, it would answer a lot of questions, and I think uh, if not this series, I think this the series itself, I think, can open doors. To what potentially you can do with God of War comic franchises, yeah, um, especially with the current uh, God of War reset. This really excites me for a God of War sequel. The game, yeah, sequel, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I have a yeah. feeling is happening. Yeah, but without you know, without trying to get into spoilers for the game, yeah, maybe not everyone's played it, but yeah, I'm excited for what could happen in the second game because a lot of those characters are now coming into into their own. Yeah, well, Atreus, for example. Yeah, right. Where they fit into the mythology without giving who Atreus is away, but yeah, but he plays a big part. He will play a big part in the sequel for sure. I I, I have a feeling, especially with uh, spoilers three, two, one. You've been warned when Thor shows up. uh, Wow, maybe they'll. That was a a quick spoiler warning. Maybe they'll listen, man. It is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they'll uh, they'll have a a nice little battle. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'll be recruited to the Avengers. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of places that... Uh, there's a lot of places that the game can go. And comics like this really can allow... Bridge the gap. F- bridge the gap and yeah. allow for more creativity within the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And 
you know that's that's always exciting right mm-hmm. whether you're reading or playing through the story yeah that's always exciting yeah for sure for sure all right so do, do you have any parting thoughts on uh on this issue of god of war do not disappoint me jerry <laughs> yes sir <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i just i want to know I hope they don't spend too long on the werebears because I don't, I don't I, think they will. I, I hope that's not a focus. It'll, it'll probably. But I have a feeling it'll probably be settled within, within the first the half issue. of the of the second issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And then you know, get into the the more pressing concerns of where we're trying to get to. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, pretty much wraps up our conversation on comics this week. And uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, let's talk about that co- coffee we've been having some more. Victor, take us away. Um, there's chocolate in here for sure. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. So one of our, one of our three guesses. What is are you getting? Chocolate. I know for sure we're getting chocolate. Now I know people might think this is cheating, <laughs> but I'm getting honey. Do you taste any blue? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes a little blue and a little bit of honey. No, honey for sure. I did the honey. I not so much the taste. Yeah. I think when I smelled it at the beginning, within the fragrance, within the fragrance, yeah. that was when the honey came out. The taste, not so much, because I do think the chocolatey in the taste I can yeah. I can get. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was more of that. So chocolate honey. Is there anything else you want to add to that? <laughs> Why blue? Because well, I don't know. <laughs> because I I can't like obviously your mind first thing is like like a like a blue sort of fruit. Yeah. I'm not tasting any of them. I don't know, man. I don't know. Because it's just it's just really creamy. But that could be from the chocolate. Yeah. Um, honey in itself can sort of give off that a bit of that texture too. Yeah. But it, but honey in itself is do you? F- I find it's more of like a waxy texture with honey. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I, but again, I it's not like they put real honey in this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say honey, and I think you're saying chocolate. Right? Okay. So honey, so, chocolate. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. And then let's see what the blue is. Yeah. So the flavor is no way. There's no chocolate. Really? And there's no honey. Get out of town! Really? The tasting notes are blueberries and creamy. Creamy, <laughs> nice. Okay. So you got it. So we hit it on the nail with the creamy. Yeah. So it's blueberries. Blueberries and creamy. I'm not getting the blueberries. I can sort of get the blueberries now yeah. that they've said it. Because it has that, it has that blueberry sourness to it. As a fruit, it has the sourness. Okay creamy though like i feel like it has to be like if you're having this cold you're not you're not getting that creamy no uh, texture at right all. now i'm not getting it no yeah. it'll be lost when it's cold yeah but if it was warm like I, when it was warm even, i noticed it remember when we were brewing, when we were brewing it remember yeah. i said i was like it sort of looks like it's gonna be milky yeah you know what i mean so yeah, yeah, yeah. hey you, you know what we're we're getting there we're getting there we're getting there. we're getting there after the name threw me off this time. Yeah. Like, There's got to be honey because I, I smelled the honey for sure. After more than half a year, we're finally getting there. <laughs> <laughs> All 
we're finally getting there. But yeah, no, wonderful coffee. Uh, Luna Coffee always delivering. Um, I'm I'm excited to get more Luna Coffee stuff. Yeah, that is. And I think one of the uh, one of the episodes coming up, maybe maybe next week, maybe a week after. Let's try this as. As an iced coffee? As, a, as an iced coffee. Yeah, let's do it. And, uh, we'll uh, we'll give our opinions on that. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we go ahead and uh, end this segment, and let's, uh, let's get on the cosmic treadmill, and let's go see what the future holds for us. Let's do it. And we've arrived. Off the cosmic treadmill. All right. Future Victor, what's uh, <laughs> what's uh, what are we doing in the segment? We are going to talk about next week slash this week's <laughs> yeah. issues. Uh, Sorry to put you on the spot. This no, segment. well that's okay. I mean, I I know what it's about. Yeah, so you gotta give me a chance, bro. All right, okay, Just, cool. Uh, so what are we doing in the segment? <laughs> All right, so in this segment, what we do is we look at some books that are coming out the following week that we're going to be covering on this show. So you can be ready come time for new comic book day to go pick up those issues, read them, be prepared, you know, in the, we're talking about them on the show the following week. And if you want, if we, you know, to talk about them ahead of time, you can just always hit us up on Facebook, join our Facebook group, and we can talk about it there. Anyways, oh. so... Sorry, I kind of, kind of came off a little rough to start this we, segment. We off. didn't, we didn't we, talk we, about we this at all. We didn't talk about how we we're gonna do Unreal. this. I just kind of threw Unreal. you in there because I was all excited about coming <laughs> off the, the treadmill and stuff. <laughs> Speed Force doing crazy things in my head. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the first book we're gonna be talking about next week is Cold Spots number four of five. So it is the penultimate issue. Yep. And uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it because... Oh, yeah. Well, we've been looking forward to Cold Spot since last issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because there was a lot of really interesting things that that had happened in that issue mm-hmm. that we didn't think was going to happen. Because yeah. the previous issues before that were like, okay, eh, they're not really getting to their point. But last yeah. issue, they really cranked it up. So now we're here... And we're going to get, I think we're going to get a lot more answers. Yeah. You know, especially with the penultimate chapter. Okay. Uh So, synopsis. Dan's daughter Grace is a very special child. The dead grow restless around her, drawn to the girl like moths to a flame. Where the dead move, the air grows painfully cold. A curse or a gift, Grace's connection to the dead grows stronger. And as it does, so too does the life-sapping cold of a supernatural winter. Ooh. Sounds like the haunting of Hill House. Except cold. <laughs> so what I'm thinking <laughs> what I'm thinking is happening is she has to be kept there. Yeah. In order to contain the situation. Yeah, because if she's not there then the ghosts are just going to run amok. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where I think that's where they're kind of hinting at with the story now and I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. As to why they, because because they were pretty mysterious as to why she has to stay there. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that answer is gonna come in next issue, and then in the final issue, we're gonna see her finally get taken away, and the town's gonna go nuts. Yeah. 
So can't I wait. Actually, I can't wait. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think I, it started very as, slow. Yeah, especially now that it's picked up. Like it's exactly, it's a good yeah. like, just like you said. Like if we read it as a trade paperback, it's worth the read. For not sure. to say that it's not worth the read issue to issue. It's just you're not you're gonna you're gonna get the experience in a much different way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, looking forward to this book. Yeah, for sure. All right. So the second book we'll be talking about next week is Batman number fifty nine. Ooh. Caught between Batman and his son. Sorry, were you about to say something? No. Oh, okay. No, go ahead. Synopsis. <laughs> Caught between Batman and his unseen enemy. The Penguin has to think on his feet to avoid being taken down by either side. If he chooses one way, he goes to jail. If he chooses the other, he ends up dead. Then again, the choice seems obvious. Is Batman ready for a new kind of avian sidekick? <laughs> you know what that's actually a pretty good weed <laughs> that's good that's good whoever wrote the synopsis good on you <laughs> oh my god didn't they throw some didn't they throw like some sort of pun in the last time too I think so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah well you know what that that was pretty smart dude for <laughs> avian sidekick wow <laughs> you know i'm looking forward to this issue already <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah it's uh it's it's pretty it, I, I think this story is going to set up a lot like it'll set up more than what we imagine it would down yeah. the line yeah um and i think every arc has been doing that it's been building and building and building into the mysteries of what's going on in the back yeah. right but i think this like even though it's the penguin and sometimes the penguin is kind of a joke yeah. but <laughs> with the way that the penguin's depicted in this arc and I think with what is going to happen in the next issue and maybe the issue after that yeah it's going to it's going to set up something pretty major down the road mm-hmm. yeah well we'll see well yeah it all depends on what happens like obviously it depends on what happens in every issue but yeah I but th- this is the first time we're seeing uh, a rogue gallery villain yeah it's come more, to his aid it's more pivotal yeah so I think it's uh, I think what's gonna happen in the next issue is gonna have a large impact on, on the story moving forward mm-hmm. yeah yeah alright so the third book we're gonna be talking about next week is Justice League number 12 Drowned Earth part 3 it's a Batman in a full body cast versus the Legion of Doom Get a ringside seat for the craziest fight in comics as a bedridden Batman battles the Joker, Lex Luthor, Gorilla Grodd, and Sinestro. Meanwhile, Aquaman locks Trident with Poseidon and Mira discovers an ancient secret that could change the fate of Atlantis and the entire Earth forever. Self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like everything just uh, it's been covered. It's, it's, it does exactly as uh, as it sounds. It like if, if next week... <laughs> We finished reading the book and we're like, hey, man, so, you know, just to really go through the plot real quick, uh, Batman fights all three of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a man gets into a showdown with Poseidon and uh, Mera finds this, you know, crazy secret that could turn this whole thing around. Yeah. I feel like we would have covered everything on the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's one of the, again, it's... It's the, an action The, the blockbuster comics... Yes. ...generally don't need much discussion. Yeah. Because if you if you follow the first issue after reading the first issue, you should know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't you won't necessarily need a synopsis moving forward but again it gets i just wanting to see how batman is going to defend himself now yeah yeah. I'm I'm really interested Especially in Especially in the cast. I mean, yeah, Poseidon got stabbed, it's cool, whatever, but <laughs> I really want to see how Batman gets himself out of this situation. Yeah. That that whole thing with Aquaman, like we were discussing the last time, could become very important down the line with how they defeat the enemies. Yeah. But at the same time I think with Batman's situation on the uh the Hall of Justice side, it's interesting to see what would happen once the Legion of Doom gets their hand on the totality because yeah. I think it's only a matter of time before they do yeah. and I think that's when we're really going to explore the idea of what Perpetua means yeah. in this story right? yeah for so, sure yeah I think that's kind of where we're at mm-hmm. with that story for sure so the last book we'll be talking about next week is Web of Venom Carnage Born number one earlier this episode we talked about putting this book on the list so here we are we're putting this book on the list yes because Victor is very excited about carnage. talking about some carnage Cletus Cassidy I'm excited man <laughs> like I, I can't believe that he's so excited that they're finally bringing yeah another like they're bringing in another key symbiote which again it's it's more exciting because they held them back yes you know what I mean and now that they're finally revealing uh, Carnage it's it's exciting like just to see what kind of a role he's gonna play in the story moving forward mm-hmm thumbs up man (laughs) alright so the synopsis join Donny Cates as he continues to shake his oh no that's not shake that wouldn't make any sense join Donny Cates as he continues to snake his tendrils through you can shake your tendrils yeah that's actually (laughs) I I was reading I was like actually shaking tendrils might make sense but (laughs) snaking it makes more sense snake his tendrils through the venom mythos this time visiting the sickening sociopath called carnage a true, a, a cruel cannibal obsessed with death and murder. Few mourn Cletus Cassidy after he seemingly died envenomized. But now a cult devoted to the devoted to the madman has gathered. I can't read today, hoping to resurrect their fallen idol and return his madness to the Marvel universe. Yeah, I'm having a hard time reading today. I don't know what's That's going okay. on with me. But pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think so. But it, it is an issue we need to cover because we got to find out how. Uh, Cletus got to where he is <laughs> yeah exactly I think it'll cover how he got there and I think it'll cover more of that cult that's trying to bring him yeah back. yeah yeah so I think it'll be pretty pivotal yeah I mean I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to it yeah I, I think next week's reads are gonna be I mean every week's reads are usually pretty good but I think next week is gonna be just as fire as this week so fire fire <laughs> <laughs> all right so I think that pretty much concludes our cosmic treadmill segment and that pretty much concludes our show as well so thank you for tuning in and we hope you had enjoyed this episode remember if you like what we do on this podcast please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice we can be found on itunes google play and spotify so be sure to leave us a rating and a review if you have a little bit of time if you have some questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you got a book on your mind that you want us to discuss on the show, feel free. Send us an email at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics, twitter.com slash otterlygeeky for myself, or twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my co-host Victor. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. 
And we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash Comics. And if you want to be a part of the community, you can always join our Facebook group at Dark Gross Comics Group. And as always, take care. Bye.